Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for a wonderful time of worship and worshiping you in, in song. And Lord, just uh, remembering what you have done for us in Christ Jesus, Lord, just uh, we thank you and we praise you. Now, Lord, as we come to this time of opening up our, our your word, O oh Lord, and hearing from you, Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear your word today, Lord. Help us, Lord, to not only hear your word, but obey your word and follow its commandments to us. All these things I ask in Christ's name, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, looking at verses 1 through 8 this morning as we continue our study in 1 Corinthians and how we are to be a countercultural uh, as a church, we're to live countercultural to the culture around us. Uh, we live in a suing culture. We live in a suing culture. We, America is one of the most litigious uh, countries in the world. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in, in 2019, uh, Louisiana was ranked the second most litigious uh, uh, state in the nation. So we have a lot of suing going on in the state. Uh, that leads, of course, to higher insurance rates as far as your automobile insurance and, uh, and medical insurance uh, because of all the suing that's going on. Of course, you can't go a mile down the road and not see a sign for a lawyer. And usually there's some kind of slogan, been in a car wreck? call 1-800-SUE-NOW, right? Uh, that's the culture that we live in. in. And, and quite frankly, we kind of, it becomes kind of second nature to us, right? If somebody does us wrong, if we don't, if something doesn't work out just right for us, well, I'm going to sue. That's the attitude of our culture. If it doesn't go our way, if something happens to us uh, uh, that uh, is beyond our control, then, and then our first thought is, well, I'll sue. I'll sue. I'm going to get a payday out of this, and I'm going to sue. But while that is the way of our culture, that's not how it should be in the church. The church should not be a part of that suing culture. Not saying that there's not times that you, you need to go to the law and that you need to sue uh, people for certain things. There's, there's courts of certainly certain times that we have to go to court. We have to sue. But that should not be our first instinct. That should not be the first place we go. And certainly, as Christians, we should not be suing fellow Christians. And that's in fact, that's what we see in our text today. In this text today, Paul is teaching us when disputes arise between Christians... Settle them in church. When disputes arise between Christians, we are called by God's word to settle them in church. We take them to the church first, not to the law, not to the courts. And so I hope that today we see three ways, or I want to show you three ways in which Christians should handle disputes when they rise between fellow Christians. And I hope that we learn the biblical way 
right? The Christ-centered way of handling disputes between Christians. So just to kind of remind you where we are here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing sin in the church. In the first part of 1 Corinthians, he was addressing factionalism, divisions within the church, and now he is, he's addressing immorality in the church. He's already addressed sexual immorality and how the church is to respond to sexual immorality within the church. But now he, he's, he's starting to, to get into this. There's this, this problem going on in, in the church. And Corinth apparently was a very litigious culture itself. And so people were taking other people to court all the time there, trying to have their dispute settled in a court of law. And so church members, it seems, were even taking fellow church members to the courts of law, suing them over frivolous things. So Paul is addressing that issue here in this part of the book. Now, I do want to point out here, and we need to be clear of this, that what Paul is addressing here, they are civil suits. They are civil suits, not, not criminal suits. In verse 3, he says, and we'll see this when we read it, but in verse 3, he says, these are matters pertaining to this life. That is uh, ordinary life. They're, they're just common things that, that have arisen in the church. These are, are civil matters. They're not criminal matters. Now, in history, we've seen the church use this text of Scripture to justify covering up criminal offenses. And that's not, you can't do that with this. You cannot do that with this. A church cannot hide criminal, uh, criminal situations that are taking place in and around the church. God has ordained the government to handle criminal matters. Romans chapter 13 verse 4, if you do wrong, be afraid. For he, that is the government authority, does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. That's the criminal. And so you can't justify uh, covering up sexual offenses, other uh, other legal offenses in the church using this text. No, this is focusing on civil matters. This is a dispute between me and you, right? This is something that we've got going on. No criminal activity has been taking place, but we don't take it to the court of law. We take it to the church. So most civil matters should be addressed in church. While criminal matters go to the courts, civil matters, at least most civil matters, should be at least the first step taking place in the church. So let's read our text here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. Oh, stand with me, please. Losing track this morning. Stand with me for the reading of God's holy word. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against one another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, Are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, 
why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can you be, uh, can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So how do we settle disputes among Christians? Well, when a dispute arises, number one, we are called to take it to the church. We're called to take it to the church. As these believers here at Corinth are having these little disputes arise between themselves, uh, Paul says, don't run to the courts. Instead, bring it to the church. And, and why does he say bring it to the church? Well, first of all, because of unrighteous judges. Because of unrighteous judges. Look again at verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Now, understand, I, under, I know that in our courts today, especially here in America, this is more true than Paul's day, uh, we have some righteous judges. We have some good judges, Christian judges, who are sitting on benches, and they are, are giving uh, good judgments. Uh, but they are kind of, uh, they're kind of bound by the laws of the nation, the secular laws of the nation, which are not necessarily biblical laws, Right? Paul was dealing with this far more. There was, there was far more corruption. We have corruption in our system, but there was far more corruption, I would say, probably in the first, or the first uh, century uh, courts, the law, judicial system of Paul's day. In fact, Acts chapter 24, verse 6 records that Felix, the governor of Judea, you'll remember, he kept Paul in prison for better, the better part of two years, more than two years, waiting for Paul to give him a bribe, hoping he would come and, and give him a bribe and, and get out of prison. Even our legal system today, it is not always about who is right or who is wrong. Often it's about who can hire the best lawyer. Furthermore, our judicial system, though built on Judeo-Christian values, does not make decisions based on the authority of God's word. Our judicial system is secular by nature. And even though there are good Christian men and women who are sitting on, and on court benches today, they are bound to judge, make judgments upon not God's word, but upon the laws of the nation. And so they are bound to the secular standard and not God's standard. That's why we see that uh, so many religious freedoms are being infringed upon today. So many Christians are not able to, to live out their Christian beliefs without being sued, right? The baker who, who refused to bake a cake for a homosexual, or homosexual marriage based upon his religious views was sued 
And in many cases, those suits, the, the win, they, they lose, right? Christians lose. And so our secular courts are bound to secular law. But we are bound to a higher law, God's law. And so we should not take our problems, our disputes between fellow Christians to, uh, to secular courts because of unrighteous judges or the unrighteousness of our world system, our secular judicial system. Second, we take it to the church because of the righteous saints, the righteousness of the saints. Look again there at verses 2 and 3. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the, and if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? Now, if you were here last week or last Sunday night, uh, we talked about rewards, heavenly rewards, eternal rewards, and one of those was these rewards pertaining to government of ruling and reigning with Christ. And I think that's really what's in view here. The, the word for judge here can be, can be translated to mean more of a, a ruling, having dominion, or a reigning, instead of what we would think as a, a judicial court where you're sitting in at behind the bench and giving rulings uh, according to the world and, and to angels. We know that Christ is the judge of the world. He's the one who will judge the world for their sin, and he will condemn those who are, who are not believers. He will condemn them to everlasting punishment and hell, and those who are in him, he will invite them into his rest. He's the, the judge. But the Scripture also says that we, the church, and the eternity, in eternity, in eternal heaven, we will rule and reign with Christ. We will rule and reign with Christ. We will have a, a system of government and the eternal heaven. And the saints will be there ruling and reigning in that governmental system. And so if we are able to rule, if God is going to, to give to us and trust us with that, the rule and reign in eternity, how much more should we be able to rule and reign our, over ourselves, to govern ourselves, to decide these disputes? I mean, we've got God's Word, right? We've got God's Word, so when a dispute arises, we can go to God's Word and say, okay, well, what does God say about this? How does God say we should handle this? And we should be able to render a judgment there and decide those cases. We are to judge the world and angels. How much more should we be able to settle cases between one another that arise between us. Who better to decide these cases? Who better to decide disputes between Christians? When a dispute does arise within the church, we can follow the guidelines given to us in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. And of course, you remember last week we talked about this in relationship to church discipline. But it also works with other disputes as well. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. His fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. In other words, try to work it out yourselves. Right? If, if a dispute arises between you and another Christian, 
Work it out. Try to go to one another. Try to work it out. Work out the difference between yourselves. If that fails, if there's still no, no working out, somebody's a little too hard-headed, right? Then you move on to verse 16. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. In other words, get a couple of more brothers or sisters involved. Go to, go to someone who's, who's wise in the word of God and bring them in and say, hey, we've had this, this dispute here going, this disagreement going. Can you help us out? Can, can you just kind of listen to both of our sides here and speak some truth into this? And if that doesn't work, well, then you can go on and take it to the church. And, and the church can decide that dispute and bring resolution to it. So when a dispute arises, the first th thing to do is to take it to the church. Take it to the church. Don't take it to the courts. Don't air it out in the public legal system. Bring it to the church. Second, when a dispute arises between two Christians or more Christians, keep it in the church. Keep it in the church. Take it to the church and keep it in the church. And why? Why should you keep it in the church? Well, for the reputation of the church. Keep it in the church for the church's reputation in the community. Look what Paul says there in, in verses 4 and 5. So, if you have such cases, these civil suits, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle the dispute between the brothers? Paul says this is a shameful act. You're, you're taking your, your, your troubles and you're airing them out in, in front of, of the public, in, in front of the whole town. This is to your shame. You should be ashamed of yourselves. You should be ashamed of yourselves. And this brings shame upon the church. When the church, when people, outsiders look at the church and the church is sitting there fussing and fighting and, and they're breaking up and having splits and all of this stuff between one another, they're looking at you and saying, I thought y'all were supposed to be a people of peace. I thought Jesus preached peace and joy and love, but y'all are not showing love for one another. It's to the shame of the church when Christians have these disputes and then they air them out in front of all of the world. Now, we live in a sinful world, and even we Christians, we, we're trapped in these bodies of flesh and, and we have uh, sin. And so we're going to get into arguments. We're going to get into disputes every now and again. But when we get into these disputes, we shouldn't be putting them out on Facebook. We shouldn't be posting them out so that everyone in the world can see. What a shame. When people say, oh, y'all are supposed to be Christians, but look at y'all. I'm not interested in Christianity if that's how Christians act. You keep it in the church for the reputation of the church. Furthermore, you keep it in the church for the reputation of Jesus Christ. You keep it in the church for the reputation of Jesus Christ. If that's what Jesus does for you, the world says, then I don't need Jesus. It brings shame and disgrace to the name of Jesus when Christians take care of their problems between one another like the rest of the world does. 
Oh, Jesus can't handle that? I thought he was, he was sovereign over all things. I thought he was Lord over your life, but he can't handle your problem? Let me tell you, dear friends, if you ever have a dispute with the church or with fellow Christians in the church, don't let your first action be to take it to Facebook. Don't post it on Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter or whatever. What a shame when Christians say, boy, I just didn't like the music last Sunday. It was just too much. Oh, we're just going all secular because we, we got drums and this, that, and the other. And what a shame when, when, when unbelievers out there read that on Facebook, Christians talking about their church, running their church down on Facebook. What a shame. What a disgrace to the church. What a disgrace to Christ. Don't air your troubles out on social media. What a shame. That the world looks at the church and says, oh, they can't do any better than that. Their love for Christ is no better than that. The work of Christ in their life is no better than that. When we do that, when we air out our disputes for the world to see, we bring shame to the church and we bring shame to the name of Jesus Christ. When a dispute arises, take it to church and keep it in the church. Keep it in the church. We can settle it here. Keep it in the church. When disputes arise, take it to the church. Keep it in the church. Third, settle it in the church. Settle it in the church. Look at verses 7 and 8. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Notice what he says that. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already, you're defeated already. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. When dispute arises, you've got to settle it in the church. What Paul is, is saying here, he's saying that, that you need to humble yourselves, right? You need to humble yourselves. You need to resist pride. When he's saying instead of, instead of, instead of doing this, instead of going to courts, why not, why, why not rather suffer wrong? Why not suffer defraud? It would be better to suffer wrong. It would be better to be defrauded than to air it out in public and bring shame to the church in Christ. He's saying what you need to do, you need to humble yourself. You need to humble yourselves. You need to overcome pride. You need to resist pride and, and wait what pride does to us. You see, that's where, where disputes come from, right? Pride is the, the seed of disputes because we've got this little disagreement, and, and we can have differences of opinion, right? We can have these disagreements. That's fine. That's, that's, 
human nature. We're, we're going to have differences of opinion about how to do things, what to do, that sort of thing. We have differences of opinion, but what happens where it becomes a dispute, see a dispute, that indicates that there's now there's some tension, there's some anger going on here. No longer is it just a, a difference of opinion. Now we're at one another's throat. We're, we're disputing over, we're fighting over something now. But the seed of that dispute is pride. It's pride. Because that's when we start saying, oh, well, my way is the only way, so you've got to back down. Oh, no, my way is the only way, so you've got to back down. You see, we've got to have our way. We've got to have our way. And that's pride. That's where pride comes in. When, when pride comes in, there's no give and take. There's no, there's no compromise. There's always got to be compromise or we'll never come to an agreement, right? But pride will come in and say, no, there's no compromise. It's my way or the highway, right? And that's where the dispute comes from. And Paul says, that's foolishness. That's foolishness. It would be better to suffer wrong. It would be better to, to be wronged, to back down, than to have this dispute go on. We've got to resist pride. And furthermore, we've got to follow Christ. Because that's really where Paul is going here. We've got to follow Christ. We've got to follow his leadership we got to follow his example, for it is Christ who humbled himself so that he might be obedient to the word of God and, and the will of God and go to Calvary's cross and die for our sins. He humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, being born like us. He was king of the universe. He was God. He was sitting on his throne and he humbled himself. And he came to this earth and he took on mortal flesh. And he went to Calvary's cross and he died for us. So that we might have life in him. And Paul says in Philippians, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Humble yourself. Follow his example. He humbled himself for you. Now you humble yourself for his glory. We're to follow Christ's example and his leadership. In the Servant on the Mount, Jesus himself commands us, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue, would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two more. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Christ tells us to live according to his example. Because when he was slapped on the right cheek, he turned to them his left. When they whipped him on one side, he turned to them the other side. He was beaten and bruised and crucified for us. We don't have to win every argument. 
Often we've got to give in on our view so that we can settle disputes, settle arguments for the glory of Christ and His church. Don't allow disputes, don't allow disputes to cause division between you and one other person in this church or another Christian who's in another church. Don't allow disputes to cause division between you and certainly don't allow your disputes to cause division in the church. Bringing shame to the church and to Christ. It is better to lose an argument and retain brotherly love and affection in the church than to hold on to the fight and bring disgrace to the name of Christ and His church. Whether the cost to you, uh, cost to your own pride, whatever the cost, excuse me, whatever the cost to your own pride, settle your dispute in church. Christ suffered wrong for us. How much more should we be willing to suffer wrong to honor and glorify His glorious name? While the culture around us is a suing culture, we are to be counter-cultural. We're to be counter-cultural. When disputes arise between Christians, we settle them in church. We don't air them out for the world to see. We settle them in the church. Perhaps today, you have been in a dispute with another fellow believer again whether of this church or another because we're all one in the family of God we're one with those out at Benita Road and Cherry Ridge and New Life we're brothers with all of brothers and sisters in Christ with all of them and so disputes should not destroy any of those relationships Maybe today you've been, you realize you've been in a dispute with someone, a fellow brother or sister in Christ, and you need to repent of that. And I want to invite you to repent of that today. Turn it over to the Lord. Humble yourself so that you might give Him glory and fame by the way you handle yourself in that dispute. For unbelievers who are here today, I know today has been more about the church, and, and Paul is writing to the church, but... If you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to know the day that Jesus Christ, he humbled himself to become one of us. And he died on the cross for your sins so that you might have eternal life in him. And if you trust in him, he will save you. Believe in him today. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for this word that you have given us, Lord. Lord, we know that in this life of, of brokenness, disputes will arise. But Lord, when they do arise between us, brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, let us not be like the world around us, the secular world around us, and, and air our dirty laundry out for the world to see. But Lord, let us settle those disputes here in the church in a godly way, according to your word, so that you receive glory and honor. Lord, never, ever let us bring shame to your name. Lord, may we do all things for your glory. This I pray in Christ's name.
Amen.